We're going to be on page 672 of the Bibles that we just handed out, uh, specifically Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Jesus, uh, his disciples said, teach us how to pray. And he said these words. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so these were words that Jesus really intended for us to use as a model. We've certainly prayed these words exactly like this before, and that, that's fine, but it's the principles that, are, that he was trying to get across that will really take our prayer life and our communication with him to a different level. What you don't see him answering are questions like, well, how often am I to be praying? Because if you go in search of that answer, that's a given. If you go in scripture, it will say to never give up praying. Pray in everything. Pray over everything. Pray unceasingly. So he doesn't answer that because he assumes, listen, you are to always be praying. And then sometimes we get valid questions at, at the office. People say, well, what posture are we to take when we are praying? Well, on that one too, Jesus doesn't answer that. Um, but what I will say, if we are to be praying unceasingly and praying in everything, then almost any position goes because as long as it is honoring God, if you can focus and keep your attention on him, then again, that doesn't matter. If you look in scripture, you will find people who are kneeling, people who are bowing, people who are face down, people who are lifting up their hands, people who are praying silently. So again, it's, it doesn't matter the, the method. No, it's, it's the principles behind it. And one of the first ones we're going to look at is submission. The focus ought to be on our Father. And Jesus, right up front, says, you are to pray our Father. This is, he's being very specific. Because when we pray, we are not trying to get in contact with the core force within us. We are not trying to touch base with the light so that it can shine. We are not trying to get to some internal energy. Jesus is saying, you are talking with God, the creator of all. He is the sustainer. He is the provider. He is the great shepherd. He is the prince of peace. He is the alpha. He is the omega. That is who you are praying to. You are praying to somebody very specific. And he uses that term, our father, which is a very, very personal term, right? You think family, you think relationship. And that's exactly what it is to convey is that closeness and that relationship. But he also goes on and say, he is sovereign. He is above all and his name is to be honored, hallowed. And so, and then it says, Father, your will, you know, may your kingdom come. That takes an act of submission on our part, that we are willing to set aside our will for his. And so this morning, when we look at prayer, the question we have to ask ourselves is, have we submitted ourselves to him? Maybe it's the first time. Maybe you never thought about that, but... He wants to be your father. In scripture, in Psalm 37, I think it is, it says, the Lord hears the cry of his people who call out to him. 
Have you ever called out to him? Are you one of his people? Submitting to him through Jesus Christ for the first time may be your first step in the best prayer that you could ever begin. And if that's you, then I would also say, check that little WhatsApp card and say, I want to talk to a pastor about this because we would want to celebrate that with you and talk some more about that. But maybe submission also for you is, if my life is a living testimony to God, then is it a living and honoring testimony to God? This morning in your program, you have a little section called Program Notes, and there's a little category called Submission. And just gonna, Joel's going to play in the background here, and I just want you to say, you know, how can you submit to the Lord today? T- just write in your own words how he is great, how he can be honored um, in your own words today, and maybe what is it you need to submit in your life to him? Because that, when we approach God, when we want to talk to him, one of the most important steps is that we come with a heart that is willing to submit to him. And I know that's hard for me because a lot of times I want to submit to myself. I want what I want, but we must first come with a submissive heart. Hopefully you've had time to write a prayer of submission down, and if you're finishing that up, go ahead and do that. But we want to continue with the, <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer, and the next part of the prayer um, is, uh, is this. It says, give us, our day, give us today our daily bread. Very short. That's a whole verse right there in and of itself. Give us today our daily bread. Now, when I read the Bible, I've got this reference Bible, and it's cool, but it chases, makes me chase all over the Bible, too, because I can't just read one thing if it has another reference by it. If, if you have a reference Bible, they're really fun and time-consuming, but in a good way, um, because you chase those around. Before I continue, I do want to say that I, I'm very impressed with Rob's notes. You should see his notes in his Bible. They're pretty. They're typed out and highlighted. See mine? Pretty awesome, huh? My daughter got a hold of them. Some of you can see, too. She wrote crayon on there for me. Don't let the notes fool you. This is going to be stinking awesome, so <laughs> buckle up. When you, when you read something, it's, so, it's great for me to understand who Jesus was talking to. And Jesus' audience, uh, when, when the disciples are asking him, uh, how should we pray, that's a Jewish audience. And so if, if, if Jesus were to say, give us today our daily bread, you have to understand something about Jewish culture. History is ingrained in them. They have memorized the first part of the Old Testament, many of them, most of the men. And so when this is spoken, they think of something right away. And they think of a story in in the Bible, in Exodus, about Moses. And Moses was the one who led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the Egyptian rule, out of slavery. And then they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Some of you may have heard that story before. So... When they say, when Jesus says this, they think of the story of something that God provided in the desert while they were wandering around. They were kind of grumbling and complaining about being rescued from slavery. Who wouldn't, right? <laughs> and, um, and so here they are. They're wandering in the desert complaining, and they say, we're hungry. So God tells Moses, look, I'm going to provide something, and, and the Jewish people called it manna. 
I'm going to provide something every morning for them to eat. Every morning they will come out and there will be these thin wafers of, of bread-like substance um, for them. And, and what I want them to do is, is I want you to tell them to gather this amount. And in fact, Jesus gave them a specific measurement to take for each person in their household. So if the, only a couple were going to gather, they were supposed to get enough for each person in, in their tent. And um, some people just kind of ignored this. And I wonder sometimes if I would. Because I'm wandering in the desert, right? No food, no water. And I'm thinking, you mean tomorrow this is going to be here too? Mm, just in case, I think I'll pack a little bit more. And some people did that. Some people actually took more than they were supposed to. And the next morning, they got a real fun surprise. Um, the Bible says that they, it was, it doesn't say it this way, but I imagine it's like one of those Keebler cookies that's crunchy on the outside and chewy on the inside. It was full of maggots in the morning, is what I'm trying to say. So it was a fun surprise for them. But God was trying to say to them, look, you've hoarded this and you have taken this. And what you're saying is, God, I don't trust you. I don't trust you for tomorrow. I trust, uh, thanks, thanks for today. That's cool. But I don't trust you. And so I wonder sometimes uh, if, we, if we do this to God as well. We don't trust for our daily bread. Um, the, the, also, in Jewish culture, they had many names for God. And the name for God, for, for God our provider, was Yahweh Yirah. Isn't that fun to say? You want to say it so bad. I know you do. Say Yahweh, Yahweh Yirah. Yira. It's fun to roll your R's, too. Makes you sound semi-smart. Um, I do it around the house all the time. Erica's so impressed. Um, here's the cool thing about this, this word. Yahweh Yira means God, our provider. So when they would hear, give us this day our daily bread, they would think, God, our provider, he will provide. The English word for provision is made up of two Latin words, and these are cool, too. These two Latin words together means to see beforehand. Now, that's the kind of God I want in my life. The God that can see beforehand, because guess what? I can't. I can't see what I need tomorrow. I can't see what I need next week. I think I know, and so therefore I prepare and I save and I hoard and I do all of these things thinking that I know what I need. God is the one that sees. God is the one that knows what you need. So this morning, I'm going to encourage you to write a prayer. And your prayer might look something, if you're a truster, if you are just leaning on God, on God hard right now in your life, and you, maybe you just want to write a prayer of thanks. God, thank you for providing for me every day. I haven't gone hungry this week. I've had a, I've, I've had a, a, a car to drive this week. Whatever it is that you're trusting God with. Maybe your prayer is a prayer of, of repentance. God, forgive me. Forgive me for not trusting you. Whatever that prayer is, that's between you and God, and that's what makes this so fun and beautiful. So go ahead and take time while I play just to write a prayer to God. A prayer remembering that he promises to provide, and he is our provider. In the next verse, Jesus says, Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, or forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sinned against us. And this is kind of a, a lesson he went on to teach uh, again. You can read about it in uh, Mark 11. He says, listen, if you stand praying, if you hold, somebody, uh, hold something against somebody, forgive them first. 
Uh, and then Paul picked up this same lesson uh, and taught it uh, in the love one another verses where uh, he teaches, hey, forgiveness is part of loving somebody. Not only does it help you, but it's important in loving somebody else. And so when you read this, you might go, whoa, wait a minute. Are you telling me, Rob, that forgiveness, my forgiveness is earned? Do I earn my forgiveness? Uh, I don't think it's that, that simple. I, you know, there is grace and mercy, the free grace and mercy that we have in Jesus Christ. But the spirit of forgiveness is essential. It is critical in God's eyes. It is so important that he puts this before us. And so when we come to pray, we really have to think about this issue of forgiveness. And we kind of have to walk around it. As you're praying, there are a couple different angles we have to take on this. The first, because he says, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven others. So one way we need to walk around is saying, is there somebody that I need to forgive? Am I holding on to something and I need to forgive them? Because biblically, forgiveness is not a, a, you know, an option. It's mandated. And, so, and, and it's meant for you, too, because if you're like me, when I hold on to something from somebody, my, it weighs on me. And I start to become a slave to that person, that thought, whatever it is, that memory. So God calls us to forgive, and that does something in the heart and then helps us reach out. So as you pray, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Another place we need to walk is, do I need forgiveness? Is there something in my life that I need to ask for forgiveness for? I know as a Christ follower, I still mess up. All you have to do is talk to Kim, my wife, and she'll say, oh, yeah. Give me an amen on that one, she'll say. But, but the key there for all of us is, is when I am aware that I am doing wrong, that I am missing the mark in God's eyes, am I then to continue in that because I got free grace and mercy? right? Should I go ask somebody to pray about that and say, you know, should I? No. You, do, you or me, we don't have to even set that before any wise people. Paul will tell you in Romans 6.1, he says, um, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. No. So when I am aware that I am doing wrong in God's eyes, then I am to stop. I am to do what's in 1 John 1 that says I am to ask for forgiveness, you know, to confess it and to turn away from what I'm doing and he will forgive and he will cleanse and purify. And that's an important step for us. It is totally in line biblically, in line biblically, for your prayers to go unanswered if you're disobeying God. I know that's tough to hear. It's tough for me to hear. But think about it. If I know that something I'm doing is not his will and I continue in it, I'm basically saying, Lord, I know exactly what you want me to do in this area of my life, but I am not going to do it. And think about how we say, hallowed be your name. If God were to answer your prayer, would he be honoring his name. So forgiveness on our, on our own parts. There's something we need to be forgiven for. But then there's also, have you sought that forgiveness, but you never truly 
accepted it. You, you did at one point, but you never trusted God. You never took it into your heart that he has truly forgiven you. And so you walk around with those phrases in your mind. You're beaten down. You're replaying those scenes, and you're condemning yourself. That is not the life of freedom that God would want you to have. He wants you to come to him and to truly trust him in that he forgives you. And so maybe forgiveness today is none of those other things, but it is truly for you to say, I know that at one point I, you know, I asked for forgiveness, but it's not till today that I'm truly taking it into here. I want that freedom. So this morning while Joel plays, for forgiveness, just write in your own words. Thank him for the forgiveness you have. Thank him or, or, or ask him to guide you in if it's somebody you need to forgive. That's a process. can be a process. Ask him, hey, I'm going to take this step and I'm real scared, but help me do that too. In your own words, write how a spirit of forgiveness um, is important to you today and how he can help you. In the next verse, in verse 13, he says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Which is another perplexing kind of verse. Because you read that, and if you've spent any time in the New Testament, you think of the book of James, you go, wait a minute, does that mean that God tempts people? You know, I thought he didn't do that. Um, And some, you can read scholarship on this, go to commentaries, and there'll be different sides of this. Some will say, well, wait a minute. Um... Look at it as kind of a rhetorical question or a rhetorical statement where you're saying, Lord, lead us not into this this sinful, help me avoid sin. You know, help me leave it. But others, you can read out of verses, uh, scholarship that say, well, wait a minute, it means this, this, or this, and he can. For me, with all that scholarship there, I come down to the one thing that I know that I can trust on and that is Romans um, 8.28, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. So no matter what, if he truly is going to test me, I know that he will do it out of love, and the whole thing is that is for me to turn to him in this whole process and have him take care of me and provide for me and protect me in that whole process. And both you and I can lean on that same promise. So when we read a verse like this, how are we to react to it? I think we can think of when Jesus said to the, uh, in the garden, he said to his disciples, listen, pray so that you can flee from temptation. So we can look at this verse and say, and we can simply pray, Father, help me to see temptation long before it's even before my eyes. Help me and give me the strength and the wisdom to flee from it. But there's also a flip side uh, It says, deliver us from evil. Leave us not there. You need to know that if you are in one of those situations, that he is the mighty deliverer, that he can deliver you out of whatever you are in. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Do you trust him on that? Do you believe that he can do that? You need to know that he is the mighty deliverer. No matter where you are, he will protect you from it. As your eyes are on him, he can get you out of it. This morning, if you need deliverance for something or you want to thank him 
for the deliverance that you have. In your own words, write that in that section. That is your prayer to him because part of talking to him is recognizing that he is the mighty deliverer and can do anything for you. The NIV leaves out the last thing that King James Version, many of you, maybe if you've learned the, the Lord's Prayer that, that we're talking through today, you've, you've heard the last section that says, um, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So your, your Bible is missing that part. I'm not sure where it got lost there in, in, in the different interpretations, but in the King James Version, that's what it says, and many of you have heard that before. And again, if Jesus is talking to a Jewish audience, they have heard that before. Because another one of their heroes, another one of their icons in their culture, it was King David. And David, you may have read about some amazing things that he, is, that he did in the Old Testament and what kind of a leader he was, even as a young boy. And so when the, the Jewish audience hears, thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, um, they, they associate that with First Chronicles, uh, quite possibly. And David has a prayer that he wrote in 1 Chronicles 29, 11. Uh, and that's in the, New, the Old Testament, rather, in the first part of your Bible. It says this, 29, 11 says this, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Doesn't that sound familiar? Real similar in words, real similar in verbiage there. And... What, what the word that we wrote down for you today, I think, is adoration. Is that what we have in there, Rob? Is adoration. And we, we tossed around this, this word for a long time in, in, the, in the office trying to figure out what, what the right word was for that. And really what, what the Bible is doing here and what David's doing in his prayer and what Jesus is telling us to do is to ascribe to, to God what is already his. To, to, to acknowledge who he is, to acknowledge the power and the wisdom and the, and the glory that everything belongs to him. And again, it kind of goes back to the submission part that Rob talked about. We submit to one who is worthy of submitting to. We submit to one who, who, who deserves all of these things because he's creator God. He is, he is everything. And then it kind of comes full circle in the New Testament because... Um, John writes in Revelation, um, and this is the last, uh, the last book in your Bible, so you can turn all the way to the end for this one. But in the end of Revelation, John is writing about things he's seeing in heaven. And um, part of the Lord's Prayer says at the beginning, it says, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this would bring a natural question to us, right? It should anyway. What's happening in heaven that should be happening on earth? I mean, if, 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 if we pray, God, we want it to be like heaven on earth, well, what's that like? What, what is happening in heaven? Well, we get a kind of a picture here in, in Revelation 5.13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. So we're getting a sense of the same verbiage again here in the New Testament, at the end of the New Testament, to him who sits on the throne, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. So this morning, we have the word adoration, but maybe this is just a time for you to write a prayer of acknowledgement of who God is, that 
we talked about trust earlier, trusting for our daily bread. This is a trust statement as well. God, I, I trust that you are who you say you are. And I realize and I acknowledge who I am in your greatness. That I am small and you are big. So this morning while I play, just, just write a prayer of acknowledgement, of adoration, of love, of glory, of honor in your life. Maybe of praise, whatever that might look like. It's going to look like something different for everyone here. So just take this time to do that, to acknowledge who God is, to give Him the glory and honor that's due Him this morning. This morning, you wrote down, whether you knew it or not, you may have come in here today and you'd never prayed. But what, the, what you went through today was prayer. This kind of thing can go on while you're standing in an elevator at your work and you're praying for a situation. You can kind of go through these different angles that we've looked at. But you should approach it with the different spirits that we looked at today. Just the, the heart of forgiveness, understanding his provision, realizing he's the deliverer. And at the beginning I said that prayer is about it's simply talking to him. We certainly understand that. Listening to him, you may say, well, wait a minute. Listening, what's that? That's the big part is getting in his word. Because he's going to, as you open up to him and you start speaking to him, he's going to guide you to places in his word and he's going to speak to you in a divine way. And as you notice, a lot of the what we put up there today was just uh, words of his from here that have meant a lot to us. Um, the same thing will be there for you. And then waiting upon him, and he will give you that strength. As you continue to talk with him and, and walk with him, he will guide you. Father, we just thank you for today. Uh, may the praise and the honor and the glory be to you. Father, help us to approach our conversations with you, uh, with the idea that uh, we are the ones to be transformed, to be changed, and help our heart to uh, not to start running towards the changing of our circumstance, but that it would truly be about changing us. Thank you for Jesus' words who gave us some principles uh, that are to guide our words that will help soften our heart and to see you. And through all that, we just pause and give you the honor and the glory. Help all of us to go from here today and simply take those prayers that we have in front of us and to continue that on as we go throughout our week. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.